We all know baseball is a long season. I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. This summer, take a trip down memory lane with me and hear from the legends of the game. So far this year, I've had conversations with Randy Johnson, Pete Rose, Deion Sanders. Plus, every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kid's best summer yet at St. Louis University. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Good foggy morning, friends. It is Thursday. I feel like the fog's a little worse than it was yesterday. It is a little extra foggy. I looked out the window, couldn't see nothing. Um, I yeah, can't. So, you can't see any of the buildings downtown. Yeah, it's it's spooky. But you know what? Driving was fine. Yeah, driving. What was fine. I don't like is when I okay. You know, I grew up out in the country, yeah, and yeah, there's a country road, and it's a and you pull out on a side country road onto Highway 100, which is a two lane country highway there's no intersection you just pull out on this highway assuming that you know traffic is sparse enough that you can pull out on foggy days because it sits in a valley highway 100 out by gray summit you you can't see the cars coming so i rolled down my windows and i listened for the cars coming and i think that's how they used to do it in the old days yeah i feel like that's not safe well probably i don't know how you pull out onto a highway with fog no but it's perfectly fine to drive right now just be careful in fact get in your car Go drive around, pull out the Odyssey app, or listen to 98.7 FM or 1120 AM to the Chris and Amy show. It's on till 1 o'clock today, as always. Yeah, and you should you should drive around and listen to us. Yeah. I mean, just the whole time. Don't get out For of your For three car. hours. Yes. Sure. Four, if you're feeling frisky. Feeling frisky. Listen for four hours. As we spend an hour with the Dave Glover show from 1 until 2 right. every day. So, oh yeah, 314-436-7900, forgot where we were going. Uh, That's the phone number. That number you can call and text. Voicemails, which we appreciate, 314-944-1120. We like to play your voicemails. And uh, we're on social media, at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, the GOP primary season continues, and right now it is a two-person race, though a lot of people think it's really just a one-person race. We're going to get Major Garrett's thoughts on that and more at 1030. And a convicted killer in Alabama who survived a botched execution is set to be executed again today, but this time by nitrogen gas, a very controversial method. Never been done here in this country. And the Kansas City Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game this weekend. We will talk to play-by-play voice of the Chiefs. You can hear him here on KMOX. Mitch Holtis will be visiting with us today. In fact, he's coming up, uh, oh, in just a few minutes. We're going to have him in eight minutes. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, the Chiefs. So, Looking forward to playoff football this yeah. weekend. For a lot of people, Amy, mm-hmm. just real quickly, uh, this is the most exciting football weekend of the season. You have you've got four teams, uh, the four best teams in football, two good games you're expecting, 
and the Chiefs are again a part of it for to, the last six years. To be honest, I 100% would support the theory that this weekend is the most exciting weekend of football over the Super Bowl, much more than I would support your theory that Game 6 is six is more exciting than Game 7 in playoffs. Yeah, because, um, well, that's wrong, but... Um, I yeah. agree with you that this weekend is more fun than Super Bowl. Super Bowl weekend tends to be a little overproduced. It does. You know what and, I mean? And, it's and just a little, you've it's a little too corporate. It's corporate. You've eliminated also the number of fans who are personally involved. Correct. I know there's only, it's four teams versus two, but it feels like a lot. When there are four teams versus two, you also have the tangential fans. You have the fans who watch to hate and fans who watch to love. So I do feel like way more of the country is invested. Plus, even the people who aren't invested are going, oh, who's going to the Super Bowl? It's right. just there's there's anticipation from everybody. The Super Bowl itself can be a little bit of a womp womp. I think we should. And part of that reason is because they make us wait two weeks for it. And I get I it because you want a whole Super Bowl week. You want to give the teams one week to get prepared then get to the venue, then you have a full week of activities, which a lot of the activities are really cool. I I get it, the events that happen leading up to it. You have to have a whole thing, Mm -hmm. and it's cool that they have a whole thing. But um, the two-week layoff, I think, also kind of, it helps you ramp down a little bit. Remember the MLS season, and I'm not saying it's the same thing. I was just it, thinking just, about that. The last game of the season a month later. Yeah, like they, yeah. they play the schedule, then they take two weeks off for some stupid reason, yeah. and then they play the final game. Here's that the thing. Momentum's gone. With football, and you have football every week, you start to forget what it's like to live without football. And you start to feel like, I can't live without football. My weekends are all about football. But when you have that extra long break before the Super Bowl, suddenly you remember, oh, I can live without football. There are other things to do. I did fill my weekend. Yeah, I know it sounds little, but I do think there's something subconscious about it. When you're in, when you're in, just totally enthralled by football, especially when it's Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. It's I mean, a lot. It's, it's a it, lot, but it, but it even, makes you feel like it's part of your life. Sure. And I will tell you, even for somebody who really enjoys football, it is, it feels like too much sometimes. Yeah. It does like, oh, Thursday. Oh, now we've got it Saturday. Okay. Now Sunday, you know, it, it does feel like a, like a lot and Monday, right? Yeah. I think because if I don't watch it as intently, I like it knowing it's on in the background and the same way I like having baseball games on in the background. I like the sound. I like the comfort of it. But if I had to actually follow all the stat lines, that would be a lot. Um, I think baseball, real quick before mm-hmm. we get the break, Amy, I think baseball is a better background noise sport than football is. Yeah. Football, to me, commands your attention a little bit more. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I will say this, too, what I, I'm excited to talk to Mitch about. You know how... Patrick Mahomes has never not played in the AFC championship game. It's hard to remember that the Chiefs were bad for a long time. And, you know, Mason Jar, having lived in Kansas City his whole life and lived through it, he brought up the story of the kicker who shall not be named. Do you remember that story? Is it back in the 90s? I don't remember. All right. It was it was so bad. It Lynn Elliott. 
the kicker. Oh, he okay. missed yeah. field goal attempts from 35, 39, and 42 yards um, at Arrowhead Stadium, this huge loss. And he was so vilified that they called him the kicker who shall not be named. Yeah. Okay. I do remember that. He doesn't uh, get the the heat no, that Scott Norwood gets. Scott Norwood, the Bears? No, no, no. The the the, the uh, Bills. Oh, the Bills. I, oh, shouldn't, have, I yeah. shouldn't have brought him up because poor Scott Jagow, who we'll talk to tomorrow, he's probably still destitute. We All also right. have a great call we're going to show Mitch. It's from Korea. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to hear it. So, Amy, let's talk to Mitch Holtis when we come let's back. Do it. Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji. You've got KMOX. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Seven, Bills 24, 147 to go. In the game on fourth down and nine for the Buffalo. Placement down, Bass's kick is up, and the kick is no good! A little prophecy! Tyler Bass has struggled, and he just misses the kick! Oh, the poor Buffalo Bills, man. I do. I, I feel bad for the Bills. I feel bad for the Bills, Bills Mafia, and our own Scott Jagow, um, who is a passionate Buffalo Bills fan. He will be joining us tomorrow, and we oh. have to make the decision whether or not we're going to open that segment with the Bills. I think. Call of the. I think. Are the he's not listening, is he? Look I, on the news. Look, I, make okay, sure let he's me not look listening. And see if he's the, listening. Yeah, go take a look because I don't want to. I kind of feel he's, like we should do it anyway. He's not at his chair, but I do think that call, Mitch Holtis calling wide right for the Buffalo him? Bills, I think it might bother. Here's what I don't know. Is it going to be to the point that he's actually angry at us mm-hmm. for a while? I will say I, this, I, folks, we're in a dilemma. 314 yeah. 436-7900. If you think we should play the call of the missed field goal, Chiefs Bills to our colleague and Great friend idea. Scott Jagow tomorrow morning to open the segment. Is that yeah. a bad idea? Have you ever done something like that that did not go as planned? Look, it's, it's sports, right? It's sports. It's not that serious. Unless I you're, mean, you know, unless you're a Bills fan. Should we or tell a Bears fan. Scott Jagow to relax? <laughs> <laughs> hey, stop worrying about it, pal. What's the big deal? It's just a game. Buddy. Yeah, it's just a game. It, nothing doesn't matter. Yeah, there was a um, we're supposed to be talking to Mitch Holt this. We are efforting Mitch. We will be talking to him uh, at some point. Uh, the there when I was in graduate school. Hey, mm-hmm. I got a master's. No big deal. Um, you do? I do. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So we learned huh. there was an author and I can't remember the book. I, I believe I have it still. I have to go back and find it. Who was talking about sports fandom as if it is. In some respects, a, a kind of a psychosis, because it's just irrational yeah. to be that invested in a sport, in a team, in a loss, or a win that has nothing to do with you. Uh-huh. And I, I, I remember reading that, going, "Oh my God, I need to rethink my whole life." Then, if that's true, here's the thing, though: I, you could say it's a psychosis, or you could say it's a catharsis. What I like about sports is ultimately it is a game. We talk about things that really matter, have consequences, right? Whether you're looking at reproductive rights or democracy or what you feel about what our cultural values should be or schools, parents, families, whatever it may be. Those are heavy things. And there's no flipping the switch and going, okay, 
we're done talking about that. It won't affect me anymore. With sports, not only is it something that you can be passionate about, but no, ultimately, it's not going to ruin your life. You but get to be passionate, but then you also you get to see the good guy. We all want a hero to root for and a villain to boo. And we have heroes and you have villains. Sometimes you have immediate justice and retrib- retribution. If someone scores or in hockey, there's a fight, right and wrong, good guy, bad guy. I think there's so much about sports that hits human nature. I, I would agree with you. I can also understand the other side of if your team loses, it should not ruin your day and it should not ruin your night unless you have um, stupidly bet way too much money on it. Well, yeah, you've taken a financial take, take gambling out. If it's just enjoying the sport, there is a point where it's kind of absurd that it can ruin the next hour, two hours, or night, or week, or whatever, just because your team loses. Okay, yeah, but think of all the people that fight over Monopoly. That's more ridiculous. <laughs> I, I completely... People who... Uh, I mean, I guess if it's, if you're competing, yeah. you're, you are yeah. competing against somebody else, like playing pickup basketball or whatever. Yeah. I've always thought, hey, man, calm down. It's My, rec league. But it... I, I get it more because you're personally involved. My dad said, my great-grandma, my little old great-grandma, Used to be so competitive in Scrabble, she would flip the board if she started to lose. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so maybe sports isn't that bad. Have you ever cried about a game? Uh, Have I cried about a game? No. Not even when you were a kid? No. Really? No. Not that I can remember. I was not a crier. I did tear up when Iserman scored in 1996. I've been more like, oh, come on, dude. My, My feeling is more of just despair than anything else hey let's talk to dale who's visiting with us from illinois hello dale hello hello yeah i live in uh, bethalto i love bethalto well i'll tell you how come how come nobody talks about a local boy playing in the nfl for the uh, detroit lions uh, tight end sam laporta over highland illinois and the only reason i I watched i'm now a lion fan because he had uh, some sisters I think there's four in that family. They're a great athletic family. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I follow plays, plays Highland, and I have a granddaughter who also was under the board, back at buttonhead with uh, one of Sam's sisters. I think it was an older sister. And that's why I, we're kind of close to, to Highland, Illinois. And, does that name ring a bell, Laporta? Oh, El- absolutely. He's, uh, I hate to admit it because I have a friend who's a Detroit Lions fan. And Dale, appreciate the phone call. Um, and I want nothing good for my friend Josh, who yeah. is a Lions fan. Mm-hmm. So I wanted Detroit to lose a long time ago. Um, also, it makes my Bears look worse. And I like to tell him that Sam Laporta is not good at football, but yeah. he very clearly is. And it sucks. It makes me angry. Okay. But but Sam Laporta is really good. We should get him on. We, we should, should get him on. That's a great idea. Especially Thank if, you, Dale. Even regardless of Super Bowl or not, we should get him on. I have a great idea. I had this idea. It might be too late to implement, but tell me this isn't brilliant. Like, knock it out of the park. I know Usher is supposed to do the halftime show, yes. right? That's he's the guy. Okay, whatever. I think we could we could tell Usher, we could defer to next year with Usher because if it is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl, what if you made the halftime show Eminem and Taylor Swift? How would that not be the absolute best? Super Bowl halftime show, the Lions versus the Chiefs. Eminem plays a few songs, Taylor Swift. Maybe they collaborate. 
You can't tell me that's not it genius. Would be, it would be the best for the moment. For the moment. It wouldn't well, be the yeah, best ever. Because Prince it would is be the, the best. Prince was great. U2 was great. It would be the best for the moment. Did you see, by the way, I uh, the Taylor Swift AI images that people, somebody has put oh, them out there. No. And they look very real. Um, and they're not, uh, how do I put this? They're kind of, they're, they're not good. They're gross. Like they're, they are. Like pornographic? Yeah, almost. Okay. Yeah. But they look very, very real, and they're they're making rounds on social media. No, that's awful. But it, it makes the, the it's just a perfect example of the dangers of artificial intelligence, where it's clearly not her, but it's she's at some point somebody is probably going to have to say, "Hey, that's not her." Yeah, like, somebody from her camp no, is going to have to say that. It's awful. It's criminal. I think, and I again, <laughs> there are crimes that are overwhelmingly gender specific. Um, we talk about war crime and rape. And when it comes to AI and pornographic images or videos, it's overwhelmingly women who are victims. And we talk about deep fakes yeah. and deep fakes. It was harder to get that technology. I mean, now anybody can make a relatively decent fake or deep fake, but this deep fake porn uh, with actresses like Daisy Ridley from Star Wars and all right. of that has been such a huge deal that I, I do feel like we are failing women and not going after that more. And so that this is happening to Taylor Swift makes me sick to my stomach. Well, it's a huge, it's a violation and, and I, in every form. It absolutely is. And what I don't know is what's the legality of it. I don't know if it's illegal because it's not really her. Um, I think you're not stealing an image from her and then, and well, then this is where the law, it. yeah, this is where the law is trailing behind technology. At some point, your image, your likeness, you have the rights to it. And I, I would assume that Taylor Swift, if anybody is savvy enough to have all of the rights to her image and likeness, it mm -hmm. would be her. So I do think it's illegal well, specifically with her too. That may only apply if whoever did it is gaining financially from it. Yeah. I don't know. But if it's just some creep who's decided, hey, this is funny, and I'm going to do this, and then they make the photo, and then they put it out into the world with no financial benefit from it, I don't know what the recourse is. That would be, I, I think we need to, we can find someone on that, because it is a, a huge deal, and it's only going to get worse as this technology becomes more accessible to more people. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. We will talk about the primary, what's happening. Also, Donald Trump is in the midst of a uh, a trial, which is ongoing today. We will discuss all of that with him and more. Major Garrett is next on the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. We all know baseball is a long season. I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. This summer, take a trip down memory lane with me and hear from the legends of the game. So far this year, I've had conversations with Randy Johnson, Pete Rose, Deion Sanders. Plus, every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Dive into all things Cardinals on Cardinals Conversations, your go-to location for exclusive content from KMOX. Catch it on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with your team. Cardinals Conversations, where the Redbird talk never stops. 
Thursday morning. It is after 10.30. It means one thing. We talked to Major Garrett today. Uh, Amy Marks, Corps, Chris Ranji. Um, good to have you with us this morning. And it is time to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line and Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie, and host of two podcasts, The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. We got Major with us today. How's it going, Major? Good morning. How is everybody? Hey, we're doing okay. Did you survive the awful <laughs> snowstorm or whatever was happening in D.C.? <laughs> well, I was in New Hampshire until oh, yesterday. That's right. yeah. I went up on Saturday and was in New Hampshire until yesterday. So, uh, And the weather in New Hampshire was far, far better than Iowa. A little bit cold over the weekend, but on primary day, it was like 37 degrees, which is uh, basically... Uh, Shorts weather in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, and Concord, and Nashua, and everywhere else. Um, so I missed it in D.C., happy to say that. And uh, it is a running joke, and it should never stop being a running joke, that the nation's capital shuts down at even a whisper of accumulated snow. I don't know why, but it does. Or if uh, border funding doesn't get done. Those two things. <laughs> well, so, yeah. well, okay, Ron. Hey, okay, well, let him have a little levity. Let okay. the man have some well, levity. Well, hey, we don't have enough time for that. So let's – Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is not giving up, Major. Um, right. what, what's, how is that resonating in Washington? So I sat down this morning with uh, Steve Daines, Senator Republican Montana. He's the chairman of the Senate Republican Congressional Committee, the committee that – is trying to not only elect more Republicans to the Senate, but keep the ones that are already in the Senate. I said, is this campaign over? He said, yes. I said, should Nikki Haley get out? Yes. Everyone in the Republican Party should endorse Trump. Yes. That is the establishment's point of view. Trump is the inevitable nominee. Nikki Haley is wasting her time. And I said, well, all right, you've laid out all those markers on behalf of former President Trump. On his social media platform last night, he said, anyone from this point forward who contributes to Nikki Haley is out of the MAGA movement. So I said to Steve Daines, I said, will you take money to elect Senate Republicans if that money has also gone to Nikki Haley? He said, well, we'll take money from anywhere. I'm like, okay, so you're not exactly putting them out to pasture the way Trump wants to. That is to say anyone who supports Nikki Haley. Look, let's go to South Carolina very quickly. In 2016, Trump won 32% of the vote, Ted Cruz won 22%, and Ben Carson won 7%. That's all the same basic conservative, anti-establishment Republicans. That's 61%. Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and John Kasich won 37% in South Carolina. That's the gap that Nikki Haley is facing. It's not as big as 50 points in the polls. It's roughly 25%. That's a long, long slog. And with everyone coalescing around Trump, her job is going to be very difficult in South Carolina. But look, candidates stay in as long as they can stay in. And that's a product of two things, polls and money, until Election Day comes around. And if you keep failing, the polls turn against you, and so does the money. So that's what Nikki Haley's up against. Nikki Haley spent over $31 million in New Hampshire. That was maybe her best hope. Uh, she did not come close to winning a lost by double digit percentage points. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance she's going to lose South Carolina. Is there a end game or a 
longer term benefit to her staying in this race? Look, Nikki Haley, in her speech Tuesday night in Concord, New Hampshire, made it clear that she wants to stay. And the longer she stays, the more at odds she presents herself to Trump and the Trumpist Republican Party. So if she's all in, then she has to stay in, even if it becomes futile. And each and hour she stay, each and every hour she stays in, she becomes more estranged from Trump and the movement. Now, look, politics is full of plot twists. And privately, Trump still talks about Nikki Haley as a potential running mate. There are plenty of people close to Trump who don't want that to happen. think it would be a terrible idea, but he nevertheless continues to talk about it. She may continue to think about this as a long-term audition for Trump to say, look, you may not like me. You may say terrible things about me and accuse me of all sorts of anti-MAGA sensibilities. But if I show you more than once that I have a special attachment to either lightly attached Republicans, independents, suburbanites, and you need them come November, you may still consider me as your running mate. I'm not predicting that, but that is part of her calculation. After South Carolina, that calculation may no longer work. If she stays in it and continues to nag Trump and irritate him, as she most clearly did in her remarks Tuesday night in New Hampshire, that estrangement may deepen. But I think for the next four weeks, they're going to play it out, and Haley will try to make her pitch for herself, number one. And number two, look, I have a constituency, and you may need this constituency more than you're willing to admit. The ongoing trial with E. Jean Carroll, and now it's mm-hmm. just a matter of uh, trying to determine the amount of money he is going mm-hmm. to owe her. Um, attorneys have rested their case against Trump. What What is the latest as far as you know? Well, and it's important that you laid it down the way you did, Chris, because... He has already been found civilly liable for some manner of sexual abuse or assault, not rape, but some manner of sexual abuse or assault and denying it and defaming Eugene Carroll has already been adjudicated once. This is the second time of adjudicating that. So I know Trump calls this all a sham and mockery and all this other stuff, but it's going forward. And. He's going to be on the hook for this. And yes, we have to underscore this as we do in every legal matter for the former president under normal circumstances with a normal actor in politics, male or female. This by itself would either be disqualifying or nearly disqualifying. It barely registers as a blip. And Trump still thinks of it, which is why he shows up in court, even when he doesn't have to, as a net political plus. That's one of the strange places we find ourselves in American politics. But the case will go forward. The former president can and will rant and rave, but the process will play out. And I remind people that's going to be true in lots of other jurisdictions and with lots of other cases. Political success, whatever it may be, and Trump has racked up two nice victories in Iowa and New Hampshire, does not immunize you from the legal process, whether it's criminal or civil. And that point will be underscored again and again this campaign year. Major exit polls in New Hampshire showed that a motivating factor for voting for Trump 
for Republicans was immigration. A CBS News mm-hmm. poll showed that most Americans, more and more Americans, are concerned about the border, are unhappy with President Biden's handling mm-hmm. of oh, the yeah. border and immigration. And that increase is actually driven by Democrats and independents. Uh, no question. Where are we with the border? Because you we see the images, we see the record numbers, and it is a humanitarian crisis. And I want to talk to you about all that is true. You don't need me to repeat all that. I want to tell you about what I learned in Iowa and New Hampshire, talking to Republicans, because I would ask them, I said, look, it's a a huge issue, but are you comfortable with the way former President Trump talks about it, poisoning the blood of the nation? Not a single Republican I talked to, and these were electeds and regular voters. None of them said they would use those words. I said, well, what do they mean to you? Do you worry about the stark historical comparisons, Hitler, fascism, 30s, Nazi, they're like, no, that's not where I go. That's not what I hear. I'm like, okay, tell me what you hear. When I hear poisoning the blood, I hear fentanyl. They've already translated it for themselves, not about Nazism, not about Hitler, not about the 1930s, but about now. And they think of drugs coming in. Now, I remind them, most fentanyl comes in through port of entry, not over unsupervised part of the border, which is a huge problem, but that's a truth. doesn't matter. For them, poisoning the blood of the nation is not about race necessarily or about people necessarily. For them, in their words, it's about drugs, specifically fentanyl, overdose deaths in this country, and that was kind of a revelation to me. I had not heard that phraseology. I had not heard that translation, that interpretation of what that rhetoric, which shocks a lot of people, myself included. But for stalwart Republicans, they hear it in a completely different way, and they don't get alarmed by it. They actually credit the former president for using rhetoric that makes it sound like a clarion issue. And if people are going to pay attention to it now because he uses that kind of incendiary language all the better that's what i learned in iowa new hampshire who is on the takeout podcast this week major so uh you might be familiar with frontline it is a pbs investigative unit they have a new documentary out about january 6th about the pending jack smith prosecution in washington of former president trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election That will be debuting next week. We will have the director and main producer of that documentary on the takeout this week. Sounds good, my friend. Um, Again, two podcasts, both of them very good. It is the takeout podcast and the agent of betrayal, the double life of Robert Hansen, also author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Major Garrett, thank you. We will talk again next week. We'll talk next week. Thanks so much. That is Major Garrett, uh, Chief Washington Correspondent for... CBS News. Amy? Oh, by the way, Mitch Holtis, 11 o'clock. Excellent. Kansas City Chiefs play-by-play voice, Mitch Holtis at 11. St. Louis, this is your show. The show, the show. It's the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Ranj, uh, an American Airlines flight 
Is this another door-sucking incident? Thankfully, no. Okay. Honestly, though, the door might be preferable. Oh, good. Uh, It was a recent flight from Phoenix to Austin. The plane was forced to return to the gate because of a passenger who wouldn't stop farting. Uh Oh. I am not kidding. The plane, an American Airlines flight from Phoenix to Austin. When did this happen? It was delayed. This happened a few weeks ago, I believe. It was January 14th. Uh, A man who was being loud and was passing gas loudly, um... He goes, you thought that was rude. Well, how about this smell? And proceeded to loudly. He didn't say it. Yeah. He said that before he let it go? That's according to official documentation. (laughs) They heard an audibly disgruntled and maybe hungover man. He reportedly exclaimed, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? And proceeded to loudly pass gas. Um, All right. One passenger if, said, I don't know what provoked the comment, and while kind of funny to overhear, it was uncalled for. So they, they, <laughs> landed, they landed early somewhere else? They turned the plane they around. They turned the plane around. They okay. had to go back to the gate. If you're on the flight, you have a choice. Um, and how long was the flight again? I'm sorry, I missed that It was part. just Austin to Phoenix. Austin but to Phoenix, a, okay. Apparently the guy, the hungover guy, said he was mad at people because he thought other people were eating smelly food. So apparently he condescended. You can't just make yourself do it. Yeah, he said condescendingly. He said, "Yeah, everybody, let's just eat the smelliest food possible <laughs> all at the same time." I'm on. I kind of on this guy's side. I'm kind of on his side because you're you can bring food onto the plane, but it can't be stinky food. Well, it says in response, a man in the next row said, "If you don't like it, you can fly private." To which the gassy passenger replied, that's so blanking rude. The passenger, the gassy passenger yeah. is correct. Screw that. Guy. Whoever said that, <laughs> you don't like it, fly private. No, dude, you, there's a level of uh, decorum you're supposed to have on a flight. There's a letter, a level of consideration you're supposed to have for your fellow travelers. You don't get to bring stinky food on the plane. You eat something that doesn't stink. I that's it. That's yeah. it. Because you have to realize you're sitting next to other people. You so thought whoever, that was rude. Well, how about this? Good smell? for him. Wow. And also, also, here's what I'll say about that guy okay. and the whole flight. If sure. I'm on that plane, and even if it's stinky and even if it's loud, I absolutely do not want them to turn the plane around. <laughs> I want to. Let's just get to where we're going. I don't care. We'll deal it's with this guy. It's got to be like an hour, right? Austin. Yeah, but I don't want to go land. If I'm trying to, I would be pissed at the airline for turning around. Like, okay, the guy's farting and he's loud. I don't care. Just I'm glad get they, us to where we're going. They need to get the gassy passenger off. Although I agree that stinky things on a plane, stinky food is awful. One time this lady started painting her nails. Do you know what a yeah, strong the, the, smell yeah, that is? Yeah. That is so rude. Don't do stuff that smells on a plane. No. Unless you're doing it in retaliation. <sighs> do you know who actor Tom Hollander is? Not Tom Holland. Nope. Tom Holland. Hollander. I don't well, he's, know that one. Okay, he's been in a number of things. It's one of those guys that if you saw him, you'd say, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, he was in Bohemian Rhapsody, had mm-hmm. a small part there. He was in The King's Man. He's been in a, he's in White Lotus. So he's he's been in a few things. Okay. He tells a story on Seth Meyers earlier this week that one time he got a bonus check on accident. Now, again, this is a... An actor, a working actor, he's done a lot of things, but he's not a big-time actor, a household name. Yeah. 
he accidentally received a huge chunk of money that was uh, part of a, uh, it was supposed to be for Tom Holland. It was a bonus for the Avengers. Oh my gosh. He accidentally got an Avengers movie bonus that was supposed to go to Tom Holland and he said it was seven figures and he had to give it back. Oh. Can you imagine that? Oh Can you my imagine gosh. one day waking up and like in your bank account there's $10 million? No, I guess it would be a five, nine, whatever. So wouldn't I, be 10, but. I've never, I never have good dreams. I never had good, I ne- all my dreams are bad my entire life. I've only had one good dream. I was a kid. I was maybe 10 years old. And I had a dream that I was cleaning out under my bed. Remember that was a thing when you were yeah. a kid, you had to clean out under your bed. Right. And I found a bunch of Spanish doubloons. Like gold why, coins. Why did you have that? I, I don't know, but it okay. was a dream. And I woke up thinking that I had all this money because I found these Spanish doubloons. Uh, and I didn't. That's the only good dream I've had. So that's how I would know I would feel terrible if I thought I had money and I didn't. That would suck. And also imagine that you're Tom Hollander, who's a little older. I think he's in his, he might be in his 50s, yeah. like early 50s. And here's Tom Holland, Spider-Man, who's like 22. Mm-hmm. And you're a working actor. You've been just grinding and doing it. And you've probably never made $5 million in your career. And here's this guy getting a bonus for $5 mil and he's half your age. That probably stings a little, Oof. don't you think? Just no matter what the age is, giving the money back is going to sting. All right, Mitch Holtis, Kansas City Chiefs play-by-play broadcaster, joins us next on the Chris and Amy Show. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.